0: Welcome back ladies and gentlemen to another episode of along the keel and in this week's episode i speak with terry sims a pro surfer coach and the brainchild behind the simba surf helmet terry is a true character and shares with us his life about how he became a pro surfer his incredible adventures as an international surf guide for the rich and famous and the events that led to him creating the only surf centric helmet that keeps your melon safe while surfing your favorite break terry's story is certainly one that will leave you on the edge of your seat And it's truly a story of perseverance. I had a fantastic time speaking with Terry while he was camping in the backcountry of the Pacific Northwest. And this man does not shy away from an adventure. I had a great conversation with Terry and I'm super stoked to be able to share with you guys. So please like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and check us out on our website alongthefield.com where you can sign up for our newsletter, exclusive content every month, and news about our guests that have been on the show and future updates about the show. So, with that, I hope you enjoy, and welcome Terry Sims of Simba Surf. Terry, you lead such an interesting life having started in the surfing world at a very, you know, young age, and really when surfing was just kind of at its prime and and really taking off, and then leading into what do you do now is, you know, you take celebrities and, and the very rich and famous out and around the world to these incredible surf destinations to then leading into the creation of Simba Surf, a company that creates helmets for surfers. So you, you lead a very interesting life, and I'm super stoked to have you on the show and to be able to talk to you all about it. All right. right yeah. on.
1: Well, it's a stoker being me, I have to
0: tell you. Yeah, <laughs> Awesome. Well, so Terry, you know, give us a little rendition of, of you know, who you are and what you're doing, and uh, let's start with the beginning. Like, how did you even get into surfing? um
1: well you know i i i have a theory in 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 the older days you know back in the 60s and 70s and even the 40s and 50s and even 30s um becoming a surfer wasn't really a choice it was more of just a a geological location of where you were born and when you were born and who you hung out with and who your parents were so along those lines that's how i was kind of spawned as a surfer you know i grew up in uh, Southern California in the 60s. My older brother, he was 13 years older than me. He was a surfer in the 60s and did the whole hippie thing. And of course, he took me, and my other brother, Pat, who's a year older than me, took us to the beach and introduced us. And then, you know, we grew up, you know, I mean, was, uh, there, there was a little bit of a story there where, you know, my parents got divorced and we left the house in the middle of the night and, you know, ended mm-hmm. up like in an apartment in Mission Beach, San Diego, opened up the door and remember just seeing the surf and and the beach and me and my brother just flew to it you know and my mom was a single mom at that point so it was more of a you know uh, it was more surfing picked me yeah i didn't pick it it just kind of picked me you know so so from that point you know i just started surfing and and you know on anything i could get my hands on from body surfing to belly boarding to riding rafts all that popular stuff in the 60s and and so that, right. that, that's really what kind of got me into it was more of a geological location.
0: Uh, what do you think really called you to the ocean, right? Because just because you live by the ocean doesn't mean that you, you know, are, are called to it, right? Do you think there was something that was a little bit different than, let's say, skateboarding, you know, because you could have gotten to yeah, skateboarding, Yeah, abso- you know, absolutely.
1: Right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I think there's so many factors that go into it. One is the geological factor. And the other one is who you're born with, who, who your peers are and who you choose to hang out with in a school, which is one of my pet things that I talk to a lot of youth about, you know, about how important it is that you pick a good group, you know, when you're in those adolescent years, you know, and your your peers need to be, well, they end up being a huge part of who you end up uh, becoming. So for me, you know, I was amongst a group of athletic kids where a lot of us were from divorced families. So we all mm-hmm. had a little bit of a, you know, maybe an anger issue or maybe a you know uh, a little rebellious well, a little rebellious, a little pissed off, a little disappointed, you know a lot of stuff goes on in a family when 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 they divorce with the young kids, they don't understand it, they just feel partially responsible, and all this so you know to make it sure the peers I hung out with were very similar to me, we all love sport because we all had this over aggressive behavior you know, well, we were just all over the map, you know, we would do anything, right. you know, for a thrill or to dare or, or anything. <laughs> so, so for me, it was, it was the group I picked. It was, it was um, baseball, basketball, football, surfing, skateboarding. And as I developed through those sports, I was really, really exceptionally good at baseball, probably better than okay. I was a surfer. And the same with football, right? I was probably actually more gifted towards those uh, sports than surfing surfing took a lot of strength and a lot of power a lot of a lot of resilience and a lot of commitment you know it wasn't something you just played on weekends or anything you know and uh right. so when it came down to push to shove to answer your question um my mom put it to me one day she goes i was like just a, but just about coming into high school i was making all-stars in all the sports and playing really well but i had a problem with conforming to 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 you know rules, right? I I, I mm-hmm. felt like inside of the box of rules, I couldn't really be exactly who I was inside of me. Like I right. I could I could throw a no I threw a no hitter, right? I hit a home run that won the world that won the series. I was on winning teams. I was in all stars, and it gave me mm-hmm. it gave me great sense of value and great appreciation for the team camaraderie and 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 the emphasis of you know it's not i this it's it's not i this i that life is about everybody not just your own little thing so it taught me a lot about that but it stifled my creativity so my mom said okay high school you're either going to play baseball and commit to it you know and go to the going to high school going to the big leagues going to you know and really try to go onto the farm teams and really make that move and i have a wicked arm i right. pitched like a Like a Banshee, you know, I was really good. I was overly aggressive. I love the attention. I love the pressure. The more pressure, the better, the more pissed off. the more pissed off I got, the better I played I'm that guy. I like to be yelled at. I like to be spurred. You know, I don't want to be just coddled. It's not my way. But inside of that, I had to make a decision. Was I going to go for the money and the baseball and the future and the fame? Or was I going to do something that really satisfied my soul? which was surfing because there was no Mm. constricts of what I could do. I could be whoever I wanted to be with no judgment, no, no, uh, uh, no constrictions whatsoever. I could ride what I wanted to ride, go when I wanted to go, come in when I wanted to come in. The one thing I don't like about organized sports game was over, but I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't want to play eight innings, seven innings, nine innings. I wanted to, I didn't want to play four quarters, man. I wanted to play all day, right? That's my deal. I needed that. I needed all that energy out of me. Because when I came home, I was a mess if I didn't, right?
0: Right. Well, I think surfing also has that creative aspect. You know, you can make your own style. You can make your own, you know, you have the freedom to do pretty much whatever you want, you know, because it's just you, the board and the wave. And and it's really, you know, your perception of the wave, it it, it turns into, you know, how creative do I want to be? Right? Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, there's a, in, in the period I grew up in, which I, I believe personally, the late 60s and, and mid-70s, early and mid-70s was the time, the most, the most prominent time in surfing's history to become creative. The boards mm. really shrank, the progression really advanced, uh, the wetsuits advanced, technology advanced, and there was multiple styles to choose from. You know, you could be a longboarder, you could be a shortboarder, you could be a gunboarder, you could be a body surfer, you could be a kneeboarder, you could be a bellyboarder, you could be a body surfer, you could be all these things, you know? You could be a cowboy in your quest for style. You could be a matador in your quest for bravado under pressure. You know, you could be a hyperactive competitor whose nonstop movements rack up a lot of points, or you could be a minimalist and just do nothing but stand there and enjoy the, the the moment of being in the world around all the animals and the moving ocean and really take in the whole enchilada of life in a 10-second ride. It was like every ride was another beginning, middle, and ending to a lifespan, the waves lifespan. Right. But inside that waves short lifespan, I was able to create my own interpretation of what I thought was beautiful and powerful and in control. But at the same time, I could have that James Dean FU attitude, right? That whole like, <laughs> yeah. you know, grace under pressure, like, you know what? And then, you know what, bro, that's how I go through my life. Right. And I don't know, yeah. to tell you the truth, if it created me or I created it, but whatever, however it happened. I do believe it's one of the biggest gifts of surfing is that it allows you the ability to become your to become a rock star, to become a movie star, to fulfill a fantasy that's that's put in your head by watching Mickey Mouse as a kid, by watching some mm-hmm. of these early you know cartoons, which everybody poops so bad. Oh, TV, 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 blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But you know what? For me, those little things. They, they taught me how to fr- how to think Fantasia. Anything mm. was possible, any color was possible, any way was possible. I could be a humble, mellow loner, or I could be the leader of the gnarliest pack on the planet. So, you know, it was, and that's when I chose, my mom said, you gotta make a choice. I want you to commit to one. You go for the money and the glory, or you go to feed your soul <laughs> and become maybe most possibly a starving artist. And so I yeah. chose the starving artist, in which case
0: I was for many,
1: many, 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 many years.
0: <laughs> right, right. But there's something to be said about, you know, you, you use the term feed your soul. And I feel like that's so, you know, that's so it's it's so important to be able to pick something that, you know, is a craft, right? Whether that craft is surfing, carpentry, it, it could be, you know, something physical, like a, like an athletic mm-hmm. endeavor or something more uh, written right Some, some more academic but as long as you have that craft that you can kind of pick away at every single day day in and day out whether or not it's being successful at one point in time or maybe it goes through a dip you know to be able to have that one thing that you can continue to go back to every single day with the potential for it to really Become something, and obviously, and at the end of the day, you know your craft of surfing, it it worked out because you know you, you became a professional surfer in the in the 90s, right? In the 80s and 90s. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it, you know, the the the, uh, I kind of perceive my life as, you know, I do a little bit of reading. I, I I barely even got out of high school, right? I dropped out in 11th grade. I took a GED test. I passed with a 71. <laughs> Right, night school, right. And uh, yep. so I'm not the brightest, you know, guy. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but I've always had the ability to see beyond the borders and constraints of what's normally fed us through the media every day and the pressures of everyday life, right? The American dream, right? Right. You know, 40 hours a week, a house, a mortgage, kids, two weeks off a year during Christmas. And mm-hmm. uh, I've just always felt it. And I've always seen the big picture. I've seen the string theory, I've seen membrane theory, I see Big history, right, which is the history of everything, not just the history of our, our culture or the United States or even humanity, but even farther than that. And inside of that, what I notice is it, my life has been a giant chain, huge chain, mm. an endless chain. There's no beginning and there's no end. And, and inside that has changed. Each link is coupled. And without each link, I would never have gotten to this point where I'm talking to you right now if i would have lost one right. chain one link in that chain i wouldn't be here right i'd be somewhere else so all these different links have have led me blind faith you call it like the really cool album they did eons ago yeah that is exactly what i've been following and that's exactly what's gotten me here you know is is that right. is that blind leap of faith but it wasn't if it wasn't for all those links i would have never gotten here so
0: you know Do you you see any, like, are there any links that kind of really stick out to you as to, you know, there was this one moment where it put me on, you know, this path of, all right, I'm going to be a pro. Oh, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, you know.
1: uh, It's been through my whole life, bro. I mean, my whole life has been like that. And like I said, fortunately enough for me, what I lack in IQ, I I make up for in imagination. And I I, I (laughs) I like that. (laughs) I personally thank, you know, Disney for that personally. And my sister and yeah, brother okay. who were hippies in a time when, you know, America was going through a lot of struggles. And and uh, so those links like, yeah, my brother. Yes. Well, Vietnam War. Yes. Um, the fact I was put in the back of the class. Right. Because I, I couldn't focus. Right. So they thought I had a debility. So they stuck me in the dummy class in public school. Right. and And through right. that, I learned humility and I learned all these things. So every step of the way from the ugliest things that I've been through in my life and I've been through some ugly ones, you know, I've been involved Mm -hmm. in murder cases and other things, you know, so even the worst possible moments of my life I see now kept me on this trail, you know, and you couple the worst things with the best things. Yeah, I went and I showed up at a longboard contest and I made a hundred friends. I partied hard. I think I got laid. I won money. I got a trip to Hawaii, and and I met every legend there was, and I was hooked. I'm a longboarder. Yeah, call me what you want. I didn't like the label, but that's what everybody wanted to right. hear me say, so I said it.
0: You don't peg me as a
1: label guy. Well, you know, I'm not <laughs> a label guy at all because labels change real fast, and so. But when I did the shoreboard pro thing, you know, I made not one friend. I did not party one time. I never got laid. I never got money. I got screwed, is what I got because. I don't really mm. believe in Adelaide. I, I just, I wasn't able to fit myself in their box, the, sh- the shortboard right. box, right? I wanted to be what they now call a soul surfer, but I needed to compete in order to get the attention of the sponsors. And then I needed to compete to get the sponsors to back me and then to get the movie guys to watch me. And then I wanted to be on the magazine because all I ever wanted in my life was to make my mom proud mm. so all i ever wanted was the cover of the rolling stone by my mom of 10 copies <laughs> all right, i wanted right, was a right. cover i didn't care about winning yeah. titles i didn't care about any of that i didn't care about beating nobody i just wanted a cover because i knew that would last for eternity where a contest finished. oh, okay, who came in third last year in the Super Bowl, well, football, baseball, whatever, We none of us remember. There's just so much emphasis right. on first, first, first. It's just that I still struggle with it to this day, you know? So yeah, to answer your question, although there's been so many links, my mom, my brothers, the, the, the detrimental stuff, being treated poorly, uh, the good stuff, uh, making friends. <laughs> The the betterest and best part of it all has been making my friends,
0: right? The connections you make along yeah. the way is really what what it's yeah.
1: about. Yeah, and now all these years later, when I wasn't able to help my friends because I was too inept, I was too afraid, too beat up, I was too self persecuting. I was I was on a downhill run and a long for a long time because of my own self pity. That um, that the, but they were there for me, you know. And now mm-hmm. I'm where I'm at. Right? I've already I lost my parents a long time ago. Right. So I haven't had to go through that now in my later, later years. I'm 61. So, but all my friends are going through it now. And so now I'm in a position where what once was the worst, most horrible possible thing you could ever imagine losing your parents and your siblings. Now that that's done and over with, I'm there for my friends who are going Mm. through it. Right. They're losing their parents and they're fighting with their siblings for the house. And all that manic crazy shit that happens, you know, as you go through this phase of life. And so, you know, it's like every link has been just as important as the other. So I can't give one more weight than another. But Mm -hmm. I can say in totality, even even everything that we go through as humans puts us exactly where we are exactly supposed to be at this very moment. And once I think people get their head around that, that even the darkest days or actually there's a shining golden light at the end of it. Somewhere might not be tomorrow, might not even be next week, might not be next year, but there will be light. There will be light. Right. And
0: yeah, it's gonna work out. It's going to work out
1: exactly how it's supposed to work out.
0: Right. Yeah. That's super powerful and, and a great way to think. I mean it in so many ways, you know, I kind of I've had these experiences in life, whether it's <clears throat> having gone to Hawaii just on on a whim, moving there, and the people that I met, and, and you know, obviously COVID came and I had to move back. But you know, the looking back and being being in it, right, is always different, right? You may not be able to see past it, but as soon as you get past that point, and you can go back and reflect on what what occurred, you can say to yourself, "Huh, well, now I realize why I went." Like, what was the real reason why life pushed you in that direction to, you know, push you to make that text and call up Terry Sims and say, hey, do you want to be on this podcast? You know, and what's to come of this? We don't know. Right. Um, But what I find interesting is, you know, you have such a almost, I guess the word rebellious maybe isn't the right term, but a very interesting life. And at one point in time, you joined the Coast Guard. So how did that kind of fit in? in a very, you know, it's like this very structured thing that's going on versus what you're, what you're doing.
1: Well, you know, like, like every minute has a
0: life, every day has
1: a life. Mm. And my four years in the Coast Guard had its own life. And inside of that life, four years, there was multiple lives, like we're talking about. Mm. And so where did I okay, well, I was 19. No, I was 21. Going nowhere fast, surfing like an animal partying like an animal. I was I was doing. I was a brick tender for an old guy who was the best man ever, Al Pulliam, right? The, one of them links mm. man that had nothing to do with serpent, but he had. He liked the way I work. And old Al Pulliam, man, what a guy! And he looked at me and he goes, "What are you gonna do with the rest of your life? You're gonna sit here and hump brick and brick, and block." And I go, "No, man." He goes, "Why don't you look at that guy?" And we saw these two guys in Coast Guard uniforms. And he goes, why don't you join the Coast Guard? So I went in. I asked my mom about it. She goes, you know what? Yeah, why don't you do that? Let's, let's, let's fill out the application. And it, you know, the application was pretty gnarly. It was like you know, a pretty hard test to get into. There's only 30,000 Coast Guardsmen in the whole
0: world. Yeah, they're, they're, they're actually smaller than the New York Police Department. I came to find oh, yeah. out. Oh, yeah. they're tiny.
1: They're tiny. People have no idea. And, you know, most of it is law enforcement. Not even that much of it is, is uh, search and rescue. Right. You know, it's probably 70 percent law enforcement. The rest is maybe rescue. And then the mm-hmm. other part is MSO, Marine Safety Office, where they clean up messes at the harbors. Right. Um, so anyway, I, I did the exam, took the test. Lo and behold, another high school equivalency test. I passed with some minimal score, but they allowed me to come in. You know, and I mean, there's, I've, you know, there are so many bizarre, unbelievable stories in the Coast Guard. But anyway, so I joined because one, I was running out of options. Two, I wanted to do something. That's Terry. That's me in a nutshell. Mm. Why did I join the Coast Guard? Because I want to save lives. Mm. Period. Period. It's my calling. Always has been. So I had this weird illustrious career. I ended up getting. I ended up going to cook school. Because I realized, I, well, I realized who runs the boat. If you're on a ship, man, I'm telling you what, it's the cooks. Yeah. Nobody dicks with the cooks, man. <laughs> <laughs> and they had free liberty. They were a great, gregorious group of gaggling goons that I fit in with like super well. It's like the and rebels
0: I, in the Coast Guard almost.
1: Oh, totally. No, we're talking full on, right? <laughs> and so I joined the rebel posse yet again. That's awesome. You know? And I rode it out. I went to Alaska. I met beautiful people. In fact, on this trip up here to the Northwest, I got to see an old cook buddy that I was in Alaska with named Michael Palmer. And I went to his beautiful home up in Washougal, Washington. And he has led the polar opposite life I have since we both left the Coast Guard. But he has got a slice of heaven up there. And it's just tremendous, you know. And, and, and so the Coast Guard, it was an it was, it was off and on deal. Mm. It was like, okay it was great i had unbelievable moments in alaska i had unbelievable moments with bonding with people i had unbelievable moments of of surfing you know i great. i won the i won the all military surfing championship 2 years in a row but the second year came on the heels of you know my mom passed away my best friend passed away because I didn't pick him up at night and tell him I, I told him I, I was going to go pick him up at night and go party with him.
2: Mm. And,
1: and I flaked out. I didn't do it because the surf was good. So I bailed him, you know, just like you do a lot of times with mm-hmm. a lot of friends. And please, anybody out there who's actually listening, if there's anything you listen to today about me, here's here's one you got to adhere to, man. This is really serious stuff. Right. I shine my friend on because I got lazy. Right. Mm-hmm. And he went to Mexico to go party in Tijuana and died in a car wreck that night. Wow. So I personally held myself responsible for that for a long time. So take my word for it. Anybody listening, man, when you commit to somebody, just commit to them and just do it. Okay. There's a bigger reason. You don't want to make the mistake I made. I flaked out and to this day, I feel I'm responsible for my friend's death. And then I was Mm. involved in a murder case where my friend got stabbed in the heart and died in front of me. Wow. And then I had a, Psycho, uh, psychological meltdown, and then I had to go through psychotherapy for a I had what's known as severe grief reaction, mm. which put me in in a doctor's care for quite a while. Which, thank God, Doctor Hart helped me come out of this 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 dark hole I'd fallen into. But on the heels of that, I came back and I and I, and I won another championship and then, and then, so my Coast Guard career kind of ended on this really weird, sour note, but it actually pointed me in a new direction, a direction full of confidence that I could be a pro. I was of the caliber, right. I am that good. where there was a lot of naysayers, bro, I mean a lot of them ninety nine percent of the people oh, you're not good enough, you're not sponsored enough, you're too rogue, you're too to do that. Don't let anybody tell you that i think I think they're just scared, and when they see somebody. When people are scared to act normal, normal, mm-hmm. is what media tells you to be, I, I want to be who I want to be. And, and,
0: and, and so. And, I, and forge I, your own path.
1: Uh, yeah. But, but I can tell you when you do that, people don't like different, it scares them.
0: Right. Well, that's okay. You know, you know? let them, let them think what they want to think. But at the end of the day, you know, I feel the same way. It's like, you got to just keep pushing in the way that you're going and, and not really, you know, I, someone told me, you know, you got to control what you control. Right. And if that means forging your own way, then that, so be it. But, um, you know, so how did then this, so you get out of the coast guard, your, your professional surf career is really taken off. But what I find really interesting is, you know, kind of what you're doing now and how you really leveraged your, your surfing career into this, you know, taking people around the world and really showing them how to enjoy the ocean through surfing. Yeah. what a, Which what is incredible. A-
1: what a trip,
0: dude. I mean, every time, you know,
1: the reason I'm doing this podcast is, is, is I'll, I'll be straight with you. Frankly, it's not for you so much. It's for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I love it. Yeah. It's no, for me true. Because this odyssey has been so strange. And the more I can articulate it, the more I can get my head around it mm-hmm. and maybe make even better moves because I don't believe I've peaked yet. But the way the, the way the, this career spawned was just as strange as, I mean, you can't write things any weirder than this, you know, and it, it, it just so happened that when I went pro, it showed me of my abilities, but it also showed me the, 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 the infancy in which my industry that I chose to be a part of was in and the fact they weren't ready for me yet. Mm. I was too ahead of the curve, right? What it's turned out, right? it turned out now, all these years later, I was ahead of the curve, but at that time, they told me I was like nowhere even on the field. Right. Like, I'm not even in the curve. I'm like so far You're out You're just there. too like, different. What? We don't even know how to categorize you. And to brand somebody, we need to categorize you. And I'm like, ah. so, you know, when I when I went pro, I loved the field of it. I loved doing it. But then it didn't. It left me wanting. And then so I had this little boy come into a surf shop. I was working in a surf shop for these really great guys who had the faith in me to hire me when nobody else would because mm-hmm. I was a uncontrollable rogue right <laughs> i was the fun hog right it was nothing i wouldn't do for fun seems to be a and, theme yeah <laughs> yeah yeah right well I'm, I'm eking the i'm eking all of it out of this one dude i am eking every ounce of life out of this mm-hmm. um and um so this little this mom came in with a little boy and she starts telling me about how he doesn't like sports the kids make fun of him they won't let him play the classic what i went through right, right? the teachers are down on him blah 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 she lives in a trailer park alone with him they got no money she goes but my son wants to surf. so mm-hmm. i went you know what i'll tell you what let's meet at steamer lane at four o'clock and i'll take him out she goes well i can't afford a surplus and i said i don't care i don't want no money i just want to take him out right she goes you do that and i go yeah 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 so anyway we meet at four o'clock steamer lane santa cruz the waves are perfect it's chest high glassy three people out. Perfect. Uh I had a board, a wetsuit, got the kid all hooked up. Well, lo and behold, the kid turns out to be a natural. That's awesome. Oh my God. He's up and ripping within seconds, man. And then the local hero, Richard Schmidt, one of Mm -hmm. the best big wave surfers on the planet and one of my personal heroes. He's the guy I wish I could have been. But just my life didn't roll that way, right? Right. So he's paddling out with a with a student. My student catches a wave and surfs right by him. Screaming and hollering and Richard <laughs> gives him the shocker. Do you know what kind of impression
0: that means a lot?
1: That leaves. Pfft. So anyway, the immaculate sash. We come in. His mom is crying, crying, dude. And then I'm crying. And then the whole thing's just out of control. I I have hit a spiritual level. I am I have felt that since my mom told me she loved me. You know? Um, so from that point, she tried to give me money. I said, no way you keep the money. She goes, what about the board and wetsuit? I go, you come to my shop any day, any time and I will let you borrow it at any time and I'll find him a board and a wetsuit
0: for free. That's so awesome. that's how
1: that, that was, that was the, that, that was, was a catalyst. Yeah. Yes. And then as I was driving away, feeling 10 foot tall and bulletproof, I looked over to my right and I saw these two blind kids, 20 years old walking up the street with canes and mm. red tips and they're on the beach on the boardwalk right at steamer lane and they can't even see what's going on next to them. Right. Right. And I'm, and I'm thinking, wow, they can hear it. They can smell it. They can feel it, but they can't touch it and they right. can't experience it. All of a sudden I don't know about, okay, I will religion. Well, that's a big subject. We'll t- <laughs> That's a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. Right? Uh, divine intervention, a thought popped into my head said, take them surfing. So mm-hmm. I went home, I got on the yellow pages, I started scanning everything. Next thing you know, I've got two years later, I've got 200 people on the beach and I'm taking disabled people, physically challenged people of every single kind. Wow. Surfing. I have 50 volunteers. I have Surf Rider Foundation, a Hawaiian band playing, 200 people on the beach, media coverage up the wazoo people are going out with no arms and no legs down center roll down center multiple cirrhosis heart attack, stroke everybody that's when i knew what i was supposed to do that's when i knew this was my way this was me this was my way so that when i look in the
0: mirror i fucking like who i see mm. well it goes back to the adage of you know you're the reason why you put on that earth was to save lives, whether it's, you know, mentally, physically, like the physicality of, you know, going out and rescuing someone on the coast guard or saving someone from their own, you know, their own demise, you know, mentally. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And right. that's exactly what you were doing. Cause all the, yeah. you know, a lot of people that have disabilities get written off, you know, they, oh, they God, get, yeah. and, and, and you, you, you lived it, right? You were putting in the it's, back of the class. You were well, right I can off. tell you
1: this. It's no disability at all. In fact, most of them are more well-adjusted mentally than we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, so from that, everything blossomed. And I can tell everybody this, too. When you do good, good will follow. Absolutely. You do bad, oh, there's no doubt bad is right on your heels. Bad is going to come up, and it's going to smack you hard, man. So, right. <laughs> better Karma. be good, let me tell you. So from that yeah. point— um, I realized what I was supposed to do. Um, all of a sudden, I wanted to take. Here's a real funny one that led me to the exact <laughs> moment we're talking about. All right. I was struggling through my surf career. I was making. I was had to push start my car. I had to, you know, I was month to month. My first wife left me because I was a bum. You know, you're never going nowhere in surfing. You're a bum. All you want to do is freaking party and surf and blah blah blah. And so she left me. So. All of a sudden I, start, I got a new girlfriend and I wanted to do something nice for her. So I called all of my sponsors. I lied through them. I lied to every one of them through my teeth, lied. I break them up. and I got all these sponsors to agree to send me some money so I could go to Mexico and do a photo shoot. And then after I conned everybody into giving me money, then I called the magazine <laughs> and I said, Hey, if I submit some photos, will you run them? And they said, sure. Right. They all sent me money. I got enough money to pay. For two plane tickets to for me and my girlfriend and a plane ticket for the shooter and and then we stayed at my friend's house who lived in the east cape of cabo we went there all together i had an incredible time unbelievably mm-hmm. funny unbelievably fun outstanding spiritual high of all time at that point and the photos were unbelievable and while i was there i met a man named dorian paskowitz one of the biggest links in my chain and he said sims I love you. Cause he was his sons are the most the Paskowitz family is probably the most prominent and influential surf family ever to mm. be amassed, ever to ever to come down the pike. Besides the, the Kahanamokus, who we owe it all to, we owe everything to Duke and the Hawaiians. We owe it all to them, you know, every every stitch of it. That's the be that's not even the beginning of the chain, but that is certainly one of the first links. Mm-hmm um and Dorian was part of that first of generation link absolutely at, at, right after Duke Hanamoko so from du- Dorian had the first surf school and the most influential of all and he asked me to come in and run it because he saw what I did with the disabled and he wanted me to run a surf school so because I lied and made up bullshit I ended up in a place where I met Dorian I got the job that changed my life forever and it turns out two months later, I got the cover of Surfer's <laughs> Journal, the most influential magazine on the whole planet. Me, Rogue Terry, Mr. Freaking Freak of the Week. Nobody wants to interview me, man, right? I'm too weird. I don't, I'm not in the box, you know. They don't want to ask me the hard stuff because they're too afraid to say it, right? They don't, they're, not a, they're not into that. Um, so I ended up getting the cover, right? Made my friend's money. Had a boatload of photos, met Dorian Paskowitz, got the job running the Paskowitz camp, went to Paskowitz camp after my covers came out because I was done. I had four covers in 1997, Surfer's Journal, then again on the Surfer's Journal, then again on Longboard Magazine, and then again on Pacific Longboard Magazine, all in seven months in 1997. It was a record. And to this day, it stands as a record. Nobody that I know of has been on the cover of Surfer's Journal twice in one year. Not even the wow. GOAT, not even the great Kelly Slater. And it's what I wanted for my mom. And I, too bad, she, but you know, like life has it, folks. She was long gone by that point. But she watches over me every day and she knows because mm. it's been nothing but love ever since. Well, close enough. And uh, from that point on, when I was running the Paskowitz camp, a, a man named Danny Errico came up to me said, can you take care of my wife? She's really scared. So I took care of her for the whole right. week. And lo and behold, it turns out he owns Equinox Gyms in New York City. And it comes up to the end. It comes up at the end of the week and it says, hey, Sims, you're like the best personal trainer I've ever seen. And I've got like hundreds of them. He goes, you're insane, man. I can't believe how you can communicate and keep people in a comfort zone and yet push them out of their zone. You know, but you get, He goes, what you're doing is truly insane. You know, and he goes, I want you to come to New York and I want you to introduce you to my friends. So he brings me out, introduces me to all right. his friends. We serve Montauk, we bond and, and he plants the seed. He goes, this is what you're meant to do. And here's your business model. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you some friends. You're going to find friends. You're going to charge X amounts and you're going to take these people around the world to all the best places, you know? And I said, okay
0: <laughs> sure <laughs> that sounds it
1: good sounds like a deal to me man so i went yeah, for no it, bro, and i went full hog in and that was i tw- was 1999 mm. and i've been doing this ever since so it's been 20 years of nonstop. and most of my clients i started with are still with me to this day and i work with their kids for me the the greatness of this teaching and what i found and what the the, the the more physic the more financially secure people in this world have taught me is mm. that there's nothing that's impossible now yes sure some of them were born into it but there's a certain responsibility that comes with that this massive massive i mean the pressure whoa the expectations the responsibility if yeah. they and the clients i have are all of that and then there's the new money totally different but they have earned it themselves man they are a testament to mm. fortitude drive work ethic and and self belief you
0: know are there any stories that stick out to you when you're dealing with that type of clientele because in, in some ways You know, as a as a as a captain, I've dealt with some, uh, you know, I've met a lot of interesting people, some of which are, you know, extremely successful. But, you know, I've been fortunate enough to deal with people who, you know, have saved every single penny to come out on this charter. And then I've met people who it's it's another drop in the bucket, like not a big deal. This is a regular Tuesday afternoon. So has there been someone that really sticks out? And you have to say their name, but their story in particular.
1: Yeah, one in particular family. They're they're European. They're French. They're titled, right? They're counts and countesses and barons and baronesses, and you know, really, you know, they're they're actually related to Napoleon. Um, they're about as close to a real king as I've ever seen mm. any any human in my life. Like whatever, what I pictured as a king, a real king of a of a of a country this man and his family are they really? hold and, and we'll put it this way at one point in our career we we're serpent and he's got more money than god right and, and i'm a why right. do you do why do you go to work i mean why don't you just buy an island and just call it good i mean you worked <laughs> right, so long not? so hard you know why don't you enjoy the last 30 years of your you know muchness and he looks at me and he goes sims i totally get it i uh, believe me i'm tempted but there's a certain responsibility I have. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, dude, I employ over, you know, 5,000 people. I have a business that's big and long reaching. And if I pull the plug, a lot of people are going to suffer. And I go, wait a minute. You're telling me that you're going to work your life away because the responsibility you feel towards the people that are under you, like a king. And he looks at me kind of funny right. and he goes, well, I wouldn't put it that way. And I go, dude, I'd put it exactly that way. What do you mean? That's exactly what you're doing. You're being a real leader. And he goes, yeah, well, it's, it's my responsibility. It's what comes with the title. Now, on the other token, I've got another group that's the same thing, titled blah, 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 blah. And they don't want nothing to do with it. They don't want nothing to do with the business, the family, nothing. They just are confused, overwhelmed, and just, I don't know. To me, they almost seem lost. You know, mm. so just because you have a title and dough doesn't mean you're guaranteed this easy living, right? So it can cut, the knife can cut both ways.
0: Absolutely. Now, do you feel almost that you can relate to um, his viewpoint on that? Totally. Because in so totally. many ways, you know, you're, you're doing the totally, same thing. Dude. Totally. You
1: know? And I mean, that's a whole other <laughs> subject right there is the reason I do what I do. It's, it's my absolution. It's, it's my redemption. It's my resurrection. It's, it's my salvation. It's my reincarnation. It's my righting wrongs. You know, it's, Mm. it's a better path to Duke of Hanamoku, the father of my surfing. And, and it's a better way. It, It makes my mom smile in heaven, you know? So, so these are things, but, but yeah, so I totally relate to him and then the new money guys, they come in and they're a little more expectational sometimes. But then there's, there's, there's something that happens with them that's unique in that they see how hard I work. And believe me, nobody works harder at surfing than I do. It's impossible. Mm. <laughs> I'll go out and I will service people. I will stoke you. I am the stoke broker. And I used to be the, I used <laughs> to be the broke stoker. But now I've got a little bit of money because I just got lucky. But right. <laughs> so, and, and so we bond around this work ethic deal where well, they really appreciate how hard I actually work and how much more I give them than I ask for in return. And mm. so through them I bond that way. And then of course they inspire me to do the helmet.
0: Yeah. And I think that's a perfect transition into, you know, the creation of Simba Surf and, and how the helmets are going to become now an extension of you, you know, because obviously like everyone's time on Earth is limited. But to have something that can you know save lives you know going off of your theme right and and you can continue to save lives when you're long gone but also have such a a different impact and a vast impact on the surfing community so what exactly is Simba Surf, and how is it you know how did it even start you know because obviously like you had to have the idea oh man that's a big old dialogue right there wow
1: how did it start (laughs) well I'll tell you how it started I've got uh you know post somatic syndrome basically and i've also got uh an accumulation of uh low impact head trauma
0: right is that similar right. to cte like what the nfl yeah. guys were it, experiencing
1: well, okay you can call it you know junior out my yeah. friend smiley uh in the beginning it was muhammad ali they called it punch drunk right so i've realized for a long time now and then surfing i can't even begin to tell you how many times i've been hitting the head no oh, like, yeah waves okay, are and heavy. not only <laughs> just by the wave but high impact on the water, right? It doesn't have to be a board, right? It could be anything. It doesn't even if, when you fall doing, you know, dropping into a big wave, there's a lot of math going on there, right? Yeah. So water turns to concrete fall, real quick. Oh yeah, it does, man. And all of a sudden, you know, you get those little spots floating around the little speckles. Oh yeah. That's, that's a minor, that's a minor, you know, a uh, concussion. Yeah, and absolutely. Concussions don't heal. Nope. So, that really spawned me into it. I wore a helmet for ten years that a friend of mine gave me, who's now my partner in this new business, Danny Cortazzo. Mm-hmm. He gave me my first helmet, and I rode it and I wore it, and it saved me from surfer's ear. It saved me from head impact. It saved me from, you know, skin cancer. Like my brother Sandy passed away from skin cancer in the head, sarcoma two years ago. Mm-hmm. So make no mistake, all you want to be surfers out there, man, the sun is not your friend. Yeah, right. It ain't your friend. And my brother was exposed to high sun for multiple years and it finally got him, you know? So, so by wearing that helmet 10 years, it really put me in the notion that dude, but the problem was this helmet never did anything better. They never changed. They never grew. Mm. They only shine surfers on and went to kayaking and stuff. So all of a sudden they fell out and all of a sudden I was, you know, out there with no helmet on. And then about four years ago, I took some really big hits in, uh, indonesia and i smashed my face on the reef one wave and so i said you know what that's it
0: time for a helmet
1: and well i had a dream i had a dream bro and in that dream i was a spartan warrior surfer i was 300 but surfing i went in i made i grabbed a red school ball the red kind yeah i inflated it i drew this funny looking hang on it I cut it out with scissors I put it on my head I walked into the house and I scared the hell out of my wife needs <laughs> <laughs> and she goes that's unreal I love it and she gave me a number of a friend of hers who had a friend who designs glasses and does 3d printing work and is an engineer and and then I made a mock-up one and then I showed some investors and they got all stoked on it and then we yeah. looked at the numbers right the numbers of growing surf the adaption rate of helmets on the mountain the adaption rate of helmets and skate parks, the trends happening, the opportunity available. And we put it together and it's been three years and I'm about to get my first batch of 2000 in about three weeks. That's awesome. So, and it's been just a massive journey, you know, of, of making, because we, the, the, the models that are out there now, they're not actually made for surfing. They're made for whitewater kayaking. It's right. called a, what is it? The EU 1835, which is like a class two, three rapids. Right. So the helmets you see now in the water are not surf helmets. They're whitewater helmets that they've adapted for surfing.
0: Right. That's what I use. So I do surf kayaking and I wear a helmet every time I go.
1: Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. mine is totally designed from scratch for for surfing. surfing. Yeah. So that means that basically we created a mold that had never been done. So we had to pay $55,000 per size per mold. Wow versus buying a shell pre-existing for kayaking and modifying it right so this is the world's first real surf helmet that's awesome and i patterned it right off the gladiator spartan deal because i figure out of all the hand-to-hand combat that man's ever done the most effective hand-to-hand combat helmet is the roman helmet the greek helmet is definitely the one
0: yeah well when you look at it i'm looking at a picture right now actually i popped i pulled up my laptop It's uh, you in a barrel with a red helmet and you're grabbing the rail and you're just dropping into this wave. And it looks like you're a Spartan coming down, coming down the tube. It's awesome. Well,
1: well, you know what (laughs) we got to say? The visuals have been real impactful with people. We have extra protection, like as far as percentage, 30% more extra protection due to the head and the the jaw wings. And really the big deal is because I'm never happy with, I'm always pushing forward. I'm happy with where I'm at, but I'm always want more, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of greedy that way. And uh, so we want to obviously make this helmet a tech helmet. So eventually we want Bluetooth, we want speakers, we want really? lights and cameras. Yeah. That's the whole function of this helmet is to become an aquatic helmet through and through for rescue guys who ride giant, enormous, ridiculous surf. It's yeah. not even big wave surfing anymore. It's not even giant wave surfing anymore. What the girls and boys or men are doing now is un- unimaginable. Like, dude, it's, it's, it's so, insane. Off, it's so off the charts. It's like, it's so far ahead of the curve that it's it, the, the norm. The curve of normality is 10 to light years behind. Right. It's going to end up being the most insane human endeavor done. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. We're backing at a thousand percent, but they need better equipment because their equipment's archaic. Mm-hmm their helmets and their walkie talkies and all that shit. So that's really the main function. And then the other main function is to protect our future, the kids. I don't want kids getting multiple low impact head trauma because when that happens at, at some point and not everybody, but somebody, the ones who are susceptible, but like me, they're going to end up struggling. They're going to end up having issues like depression over being overwhelmed Mm -hmm. anxiety they're gonna have problems with relationships they're gonna have problems at work and they're gonna look in the mirror and be very confused i do not want that i want to i'm i'm trying to be responsible for our future right now and i'm trying to create something along with my illustrious team of just unbelievable people that you know what i'm sick of being a bystander bro i'm done that's it i'm over I'm in the full front line right now, and I'm pushing hard. And whenever you're the tip of the arrow or the tip of the fillet knife, you know, you're in for some battles. Yeah. Piercing, piercing that metal the first time is hard. Mm-hmm. But because of the way life has been, the corona thing has really pushed everybody to the beach. We're seeing another explosion in surfing. Safety is really becoming an issue because who wants to go get a, stitches in the hospital right now? Right. Not a good idea. OK, so everything is pointing towards surfing. So fortunately enough for me, everything that's been transpiring is helping my company with validity and, and purpose. And and so everybody's been responding incredibly well, but with the struggles from China and everywhere else that we have to get it made because you can't make anything in America now because it costs you too much, mm-hmm. you know, um, that. Uh, yeah, we're just we're just super excited about this. We're getting huge support from all kinds of different people, and so with the new wave parks, you know, these artificial waves are very dangerous, bro. They're shallow, they're concrete, and they're push the guys that the guys and girls in the pools are pu- pushing limits like never before. It's the same phenomenon as what happened to skateboarding when it went from the street, mm. which where we there was the occasional eat it on the street. Of right? course, we called it you know road rash, right? You basically came up with a bunch of you know scabs but that right. was it. but once they started making vertical pipes and pools and, and and parks oh my god oh yeah guys started getting seriously hurt yeah and that's when the helmets came in immediately but the skate world has always been about protection because they land on concrete
0: yeah elbow pads knee pads oh god bit.
1: yeah and then the motorcycle guys they're even more gnarly travis pastrana and, oh, you know yeah. oh my god you know i had the pleasure of surfing with pink one time, that's awesome. And her husband, Carrie Hart, did the first backflip. It's still debated whether he pulled it or not. I've watched it a thousand times. I'm calling bullshit. Carrie Hart popped the first freaking one in, in 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 competition for sure. <laughs> I mean, come on, he horked a 200-pound motorcycle upside. I'm really, I mean, my God, right? This whole new extreme movement with with bikes and boards is the future. Football, baseball, basketball's going down. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, well, and, and I think you know? social media does that, too. You know, it allows you, obviously, there's a lot of things that, you know, are not, that are negative in relation to social media. But in terms of, you know, individuality and creativity and being able to create your own personal, you know, quote, quote, as I'm finger quoting here, your own personal brand, right? Something like surf fits that mold. You know, a lot of these adventure sports, whitewater kayaking, surfing, BMX, like the whole bit, right? You can be creative and, and have the freedom to do what you want. Yeah. And,
1: and I mean, not only that, but look where your, look where your feet, play feet, your field of play is right. What, yep. what could be more natural? Yeah. Right. Which is one of the reasons why, you know, I was a sword fisherman for about, I don't know, two months. <laughs> <laughs> We lost the boat. Couldn't get it. Couldn't get me, you know, because technology burned us. Right. Uh, you know, I did a lot of rock caught fishing, some sport fishing. I've always wanted to be a fisherman, but I just never I, there was something about it. I I wasn't very good at it. Okay. It was not my gift. Yeah. But I've always pulled a full parallel with surfing, you know, and, and fishing. That's why I was excited that you called because I gathered you were a lot about the ocean and fishing and this. stuff. All about and, it. Yeah. And, you know, that's always been. I mean, I get along with fishermen great because that exact reason.
0: Yes, very similar. And, and, and a lot of the same parallels in mindset, you know? Yeah. The, the individuality know? and having to figure something out and, and just having the – well, it comes down to freedom, right? When you're on the ocean, you have the ability freedom. to do what freedom. you want. Freedom. You know? Captain
1: of your own destiny, man.
0: Absolutely.
1: Manifest destiny. I can tell you that 100% I am all about that. The only thing we have control over is how we react. That's it, right? Because every day is nothing more than a series of events that we have to think about how to deal with. Whether it's getting gas in your car, telling your child to eat the vegetables, in your nose, well, everything we do, we make a small decision, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that decision is the only thing, the choice, that the act of acting is the only thing you can actually have control of, right? I you don't know if that car is going to swerve in your lane. You don't know if that lottery ticket is going to come up a winner. I don't know if the fourth wave or the fifth wave is better. Mm-hmm. I don't know if someone's going to cry when I take them out or 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 revel in the joy. I mean, you know, and this is the beauty of what makes us wake up every day. Right. So I kind of embrace it, but I also don't take it too. I try to, I you know, there's all these, you know, oh roll with the punches and all that stuff. Well, yeah, pretty true. So for me, you know, the only thing you can control is your reactions. And I think that's, that's always been why man is, even though we don't really need to fish anymore, you know, we know how to grow food. We know all that, you know, we don't really need to fish, but damn, if we don't fish the living shit out of it, why? Because there's that freedom of spirit out there, Mm -hmm. you know, that it's so Buddhist really being in the moment and what could be, what could be better than that?
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect way to sum up your story in general you know just being in the moment being present and having that you know ability to react in a way that you know it creates that chain like you said and throughout your life you've had these moments where it it all just kind of comes together and you're able to now look back and reflect that's why this conversation has been so interesting just to sit and listen to Um, just listen to you speak because it's almost like you're having this reflection as to what's been going on the past 61 years of your existence. So, you know, I think with that, I got one question for you that I like to ask everyone is, and I, I asked it before, but eh, I guess we'd call it two questions. One, the, the main one is, you know, throughout your life, right? The ocean's always been this major theme, but if you had to explain it to someone else, what the ocean is, what would you tell that person? So, you know, that's really
1: that's always been on the plate for guys like me. So and I've thought about it a lot, bro. Mm. There's a couple analogies I like to use. One is, you know, we have the sense of sight. We have the sense of smell. We have the sense of touch. We have the sense of taste. We have five senses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when I ride a wave, no matter what it is, big, small, whatever, when I ride a wave, it's like all of those senses times two. It's almost like a sixth sense mm. or a seventh sense, really. It's everything is in play. My, my smell, my sight. I can taste the water on my mouth. I can, I can smell the briny blue. I can see the colors and the motion of the earth right i can see the sky i can see the birds i can see the palm trees i can see my friends i can see the wave i see the fish below me so it's like this unbelievable totality of every emotion and sense i have that is so pinpoint sharp during that 10 seconds that it is it is the most addicting thing the only thing that there's not even sex ain't that addicting man (laughs) It's It's you share in the moment with the other human is. But when I have it with myself, it's not. (laughs) So in one analogy, I love the fact it's your seventh sense. Now, when I tried to explain it to the blind kids that I took out, Mm. right, they'd never even seen a color. Right. And they're asking me, well, what's it feel like? I'm really scared. And I go, well, do you know what orange is like? And he goes, orange. He goes, You mean the, the 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 you mean the orange, orange? And I go, yeah. And I go, Do you know what it looks like? And he goes, No. And I go, well, next time you bite an orange, that's what orange looks like. Right. Orange looks like it tastes. Right? Yeah. The wave, the feeling of surfing is like the fruit that you taste, but you can't see the color of. When you ride a wave. It gives you the color that your emotions that that, that you can't you can't see your emotion. Mm -hmm. But when you ride a wave, you can taste it. Right. And it's everything it's everything that the human experience can be wrapped in one moment, one fleeting moment. So every emotion you've ever had comes out of you during these short little 10 second blips we get.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And, and I think you summed it up in such an interesting and dynamic way that it's really easy for me to think back to those moments where I am on a wave or I am out on the boat or I got a fish on the line, whatever that that is for someone else. Because right, not everyone surfs, but maybe they fish. Maybe they just go out for a boat ride. And maybe they just sit down by the beach and, and enjoy the shoreline. That little brief moment where there's really nothing on your mind except being in the present moment on the ocean enjoying it. I think you summed it up perfectly. Because it's you can you can't quite see it, you can't quite feel it, but you can taste it. And it's right on the tip of your tongue the whole time. So yeah.
1: and it's and it's and it's a flavor you've never had.
0: Right. Brand it changes every day, every time. Every day, right?
1: every day, every day.
0: Yeah. So, well, hey, Terry, you know, this was a real pleasure speaking about, you know, your life, how it all, you know, wraps up into Simba Surf. And, you know, I guess, you know, the last question really is, is where can people find you and learn more about you, Simba Surf, right? And, uh, and you know, how can they get involved? Um, well, I mean, easy enough to get a hold of, all you got to do is Google my name, Terry Sims <laughs>
1: Surfer. I'm all over the place, but my website is Simba Surf at yahoo.com. That's my email. I love emails. Um the website is terry simsurf.com. There's a helmet page and there's also my surf travel business, um, which is also simbasurf.com. Awesome. So they can do that
0: and easy enough.
1: And then if they want to uh uh be involved with helping me with anything then please drop me your email. I'll put you on my list and when once you're on my list you'll be getting you know, as I grow in this endeavor, I will take everybody with me because that's really one of the biggest reasons why I'm doing this is because I'm, you know, I'm trying to help my family. Right. And I'm trying to help my friends and I'm trying to help people that I don't know, because I just want everybody to experience the ocean. Because I personally believe that everybody is a surfer on this planet. Just some people haven't surfed yet. Yeah. Love that. I believe it's I believe it's part of our DNA.
0: I believe that, too. I totally agree. So,
1: so, so my mission is to, you know, break the barriers of I can't and I won't, you know? And, uh, so anybody wants to help me with any project at all, please feel free to call me or, you know, look me up in any way, shape or form you can.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Well, Hey, Terry, it's been a real pleasure speaking today and being able to have you on the show. I'm, I'm super glad we're able to finally get onto a date and, uh, and make this happen. So thank you for being on.
1: Well, thank you so much. And it's been an honor. And, and, and I can't wait till we personally meet. And maybe we can meet up here someday. And you take me fishing, I'll take you surfing.
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good trade to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All, All right, right, Terry.
1: Thank you much. Aloha.
0: Thank you, sir. Aloha. Okay. Thank you guys for tuning into yet another episode of the podcast. It was a real pleasure being able to speak with Terry about his life as a Coast Guardsman with the creation of Simple Surf growing up everything i don't know about you but i found it to be super interesting and kind of had me on the edge of my seat the entire time not really knowing what was going to come next so terry shout out to you it was great talking with you and thank you for taking the time of your day uh while you're in the back country of the pacific northwest to speak with me truly honored and thank you guys for tuning in now if you want to learn more about the podcast head on over to our website, alongtheheel.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. It's a monthly newsletter giving you guys the news about some of our past episodes and past guests, as well as a few stories that we write here in-house and an article about a new person every month that is making waves in their community. They don't necessarily have a brand or a business or organization, but they're out there doing what they love on the ocean or outdoors. And I think it's just a great way to spotlight those who don't necessarily have an opportunity to share their story. So with that, make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, shoot us some likes, send us a DM, let me know how you like the show. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode of along the keel episode number 34. That's a cool thing to say. Now 34 episodes in and really appreciate all the support that's been given. And as always, remember to work hard, do good, and be incredible, and have an awesome day.